0: was a time of change. It was a time of passion. I don't want you to die. I don't want you to see me die. It was a time of desire. You made me believe I could live a different kind of life and I will never be the same. It was the time of their lives. Jane Fonda, Gregory Peck, Jimmy Smiths. few big-budget studio films since the 1970s exemplify the trichotomy, yes, that is a word, (laughs) of Luis Puenzo's 1989 historical drama slash romance adventure slash political treatise masquerading as pulp, Old Gringo. The eagerly anticipated adaptation of Carlos Fuentes' lauded 1985 novel, Gringo Viejo, which took him 20 years off and on to complete, and from the director of the equally acclaimed 1985 Oscar-winning film The Official Story, starred Jane Fonda, Gregory Peck, and Jimmy Smits in a three-person point-of-view narrative, which brought together an American schoolteacher, a general in the army of Pancho Villa during the Mexican Revolution, and aging legendary journalist-novelist Ambrose Bierce, a fictional version of him anyway, in the final days of his life, the film took a long and winding road to the screen, premiered out of competition at the Cannes Film Festival, where it was booed, suffered a delayed and incomplete release in the U.S., and ended up as one of the most critically lambasted box office disappointments of the year. But then again, so did other films, which have since gone on to become essential cinema. Among them, John Frankenheimer's Seconds, also booed at Cannes, David Lean's Dr. Zhivago, a huge critical pinata when it first opened and others from Fantasia, Bringing Up Baby, Blade Runner, and The Thing, all of which were not box office audience hits upon their initial releases, but which grew in popularity over the years. Does old gringo deserve such a place in cinema history? I don't know, but I've always loved it, I always felt it was treated incredibly unfair by critics of the day who failed to notice what was really going on below the surface, and I do believe it will eventually, like those others, find its audience appreciative of its multi-layered cinematic, Yeah. I'll use the word brilliance as well as bravado. I'm Craig Jamison of Gull Cottage Online, and welcome to the Movie Sneak Buried Treasure of the Week, El Viejo Gringo Revivio, Old Gringo Revisited. Do you mind my asking, General, why the hacienda is burnt down? There was the best. Will the lands be distributed? Will the owners receive reparations? Careful, General. You know how your answer will appear in the headlines Private property abolished in Mexico. Yes, the peasants, the true owners, will receive reparations. This is what we are fighting for. What are you doing with my map? Excuse me, General, but it is upside down. You know that the earth is round, and you, Mr. General, Well, that means that sometimes you are above, and sometimes you are below. Oh, no. It's a wonderful statement, Colonel. And a curious idea as well. When Old Gringo finally opened in October 1989, it was greeted with a few positive but mostly negative reviews from critics. Roger Ebert said, With just a slightly different slant, this could have been the plot outline from one of those paperback romance novels. The ones with the covers showing the heroine in the foreground, wide-eyed and heaving-bosomed, while a swarthy young man with a mustache eyes her lustfully. But no, this is a serious enterprise, and the movie is based on a novel by the distinguished writer Carlos Fuentes. It's easy to imagine how the story attracted the filmmakers, but they spend too little time telling it and too much time on aimless scenes of sound and fury. The Los Angeles Times was a little more forgiving in its review, which started off with, if you've ever yearned for the big movies of the forties, lush and improbable, bolstered by the star turns of real movie stars, then just possibly old gringo is your meat. Although it's setting is the Mexican Revolution, In some ways, it's like one of those swaggering pirate epics where an unpredictable, reekingly macho brigand takes possession of his chase woman captive, changing both their lives forever. And while neither is necessarily incorrect, they're both surprisingly very surface, almost first reaction, knee-jerk responses, interpretations. Yeah, Old Gringo, with its lush costume and production design and score, and its sweeping vistas of old world Mexico, from its baroque cityscapes to widescreen split-diopter plains, is indeed filmed within the framework of an old-school Harlequin romance novel come David Lean wartime epic, but that's merely the delivery system which uses old-school pulp as the basket or carrying case to deliver a more contemporary, at times very, social-political story. Not unlike how Polanski and Town's Chinatown use the age-old gumshoe milieu to deliver a very 70s post-Watergate don't trust the system text, Or how, say, Walter Hill used Southern comfort as an analogy to Vietnam in particular and 80s-era what some considered American neo-imperialism in general? Below the surface layer of Ebert's heaving bosoms, no pun intended, and Falvio paperback novel covers influenced dramatics, Old Gringo was, is actually a stunningly political, perfect companion piece to Puenzo's earlier The Official Story. But in order to appreciate how well the film does this, One, like understanding the rules of a baseball game in order to truly enjoy it, has to look back on the origins of Fuentes' novel. Before his death in 2012, at the age of 83, Carlos Fuentes was one of Mexico's most celebrated literary legends. With novels such as the death of Artemio Cruz, *Aura*, and Terra Nostra, he was a major part of boom Latinoamericano, the Latin American literary boom of the 60s and 70s, where, along with other writers such as Gabriel Garcia Marquez of Colombia, Mario Vargas Locha of Peru, and Argentina's Urio Cortazar, Fuentes introduced a combination of modernism and magical realism into Latin literature, but which most times had a very politically aware foundation upon which it was built. Seeking to challenge, upend, and very often anger the traditional status quo, the writers of the Latin boom tapped into a global zeitgeist and found themselves uber popular in America, where the civil rights and anti-Vietnam movements were in play, Paris, where the student riots of the 60s was nightly news, and in Eastern Europe, where similar such protests led to the Warsaw Pact invasion of Czechoslovakia in 68. The boom movement started an international trend which is still felt today, in everything from the magical realism of John Nichols' New Mexico trilogy novels, The Malagro beanfield War, The Magic Journey, and Nirvana Blues, to films such as Guillermo del Toro's The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth, Alejandro gonzalez Inarritu's Amores Peros, Babel, Birdman, and more, uh, and all of which in one way or another uses classic pulp genre tropes in order to drive home some very contemporary sociopolitical themes, many of which have roots in history. All of which brings us to Gringo Viejo, Old Gringo. Set during the Mexican Revolution, Old Gringo follows three characters who eventually cross paths and change each other's lives. There's Harriet Winslow in the film portrayed by Jane Fonda, a schoolteacher spinster, yeah, Jane Fonda, I know, but hold on, it works, it really does, (laughs) from a respected military family, a family which has been living a lie for years, and Harriet seeks to escape this past by taking a job as a teacher governess to the children of the Mirandas, a family of wealthy landowners in Mexico. There's Arroyo, played by Jimmy Smits, at the time a hot commodity because of TV's L.A. Law. He's the general personally chosen by Pancho Villa to seize control of the Miranda Mansion, and who uses an unknowing Harriet as the pawn to get him and his troops into the hacienda. And there's the earlier mentioned fictional version of journalist-novelist Ambrose Bierce, perhaps most famous for the short story and occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, and in the film portrayed by Gregory Peck. In actual history, Bierce, in his early 70s and a Civil War veteran, journeyed to Mexico to learn more of the Revolution, and was never heard from again. It was rumored that he joined Villa's army, and as Gringo's author Carlos Fuentes was a lifelong fan of Bierce's writing, in this story, Fuentes offers a nifty, fill-in-the-blanks narrative of what really happened to Bierce in his final days while he was down there. A love triangle of sorts develops between the three characters, and it's actually more a triangle of hearts and minds than the physical. I mean, while Fonda is quite good here, in fact, I'd rate it among her five or ten best career performances, the fact is even in 89 she had too much uh, the history and reputation of a socio-political firebrand to be entirely believable as a 19th century spinster. However, she and the film nicely uses this to its advantage in that her Harriet's character, while perhaps older than the one in the novel, is in some ways just as naive and that she's been in her somewhat pampered American world long enough to come to believe that her existence is the only true, proper, and fair one, and that it's her, and America's duty in general, to be understanding." of cultures which aren't as advanced, and help them to see the more civilized light of democracy, etc. She's not as God, guts, and glory in this way as, a, say, Catherine Hepburn in The African Queen, or Candace Bergen in The Wind and a Lion. Harriet is considerably more fragile, but she carries some prejudicial notions into Mexico, which perhaps a much younger person, as younger people tend to have more open minds, wouldn't and as such she represents Americans' often misled self-assurance in need of an awakening very well. Oroyo is mestizo, of both European and indigenous American descent, as he is the bastard child of a servant mother who was raped by a Miranda and who grew up in the very mansion he's now taken for General Villa. While in the mansion both sides of his past speak to him, part wanting to destroy the legacy of the wealthy abusers he grew up under, and another part which has always envied their lifestyle. As such, he's in constant danger of tipping over into becoming that which he's always despised, and in this way becomes a perfect allegorical stand in for revolutions which were born with an ideal, but which over time degenerated into a dictatorship as bad as the one it replaced. Do you want to know how I grew up in this hacienda watching the Mirandas? Do you want to know how I watched them round up the youngest and the weakest of the women de la hacienda as if they were cattle and rape them in front of everybody? How they would punish people with their whips and tear them apart for looking the patron in the eye. And it was not Los Miranda only. This hell was the same all over Mexico. It was not just my history, it was the history of everybody. When I understood that, then Villa made me general. Bierce is the self-assured American who's seen it all, and as such comes to believe that he knows it all. And while this is mostly true in his case, that which he's failed to learn or know has left him with a great big gaping, cynical, even nihilistic hole within himself, which drove his family away, one of his children to suicide, and he to Mexico in what may be a suicidal death wish. The Mexicans even give him the nickname, Bitter. Over time, Harriet's eyes are opened politically by Arroyo and philosophically by Bierce, the long without family royal comes to understand true human compassion and a love for Harriet, and a budding, maybe yes, maybe no, surrogate father son relationship with Bierce, and Bierce's long cold heart and stubbornly nihilistic emotional wall is pierced by Harriet's genuine, if naive, humanity and Arroyo's passion, both of which he once possessed as a young man. Unlike the typical Hollywood bow tie finale, however, Old Gringo leaves us wondering if any of these characters, or us, or nations and global conflicts in general, can ever truly alter what we've allowed to become our life's course, our chosen direction. Is it a matter of fate, or simply on a subconscious level, not wanting to really change because it's too personally terrifying to do so? It's a fascinatingly still contemporary theme, which in the midst of the Harlequin romance and David Lean-like sound and fury, as Mr. Ebert put it, comes through loud and clear, especially upon repeated viewings. Old Gringo was shot primarily in Zacatecas, Mexico, doubling for Chihuahua, various locations across the states of Sonora, Morelos, and Hidalgo, most notably at the Hacienda de Santa Maria, doubling for the Miranda Mansion. And interestingly, it was filmed during the days while the Iran-Contra affair was making headlines in America. Interesting because the film's themes of questionable American involvement in South American history are prominently examined in pointing out the media influence of William Randolph Hearst in swaying U.S. political opinion in regards to the Spanish-American War and Mexican Revolution, which in numerous regards mirrors the Contra scandal, wherein the CIA, under President Ronald Reagan, illegally sold weapons to Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini in order to raise money to secretly fund the anti-Sandinista Contras in Nicaragua. Roger Spottiswood's Under Fire from a few years prior was born of this same scandal specifically inspired by the murder of ABC reporter Bill Stewart and his translator Juan Espinosa by the Nicaraguan National Guard. So the time in which Old Gringo was shot and released added even more to the deliberate political debate which both Fuente's original novel and director Puente's earlier the official story had always set their sights upon. Much of this political commentary was unfortunately, and as earlier said, surprisingly lost to most critics of the day, who couldn't seem to see beyond Old Gringo's more deliberately popish delivery method of these themes. And it was a pity, especially as earlier films taking place during the Mexican Revolution, films like Viva Zapata, The Professionals, A Fistful of Dynamite, Veta Cruz, Two Mules for Sister Sarah, and Canon for Cordoba, as fun as they are, and while many of them do contain some deliberate political subtexts, are mostly cartoony, and were shot in America, Italy, and Spain by mostly American and Italian directors. All of them very different kinds of films, fanciful adventures, than is the more serious-minded old gringo. Confusing test screenings like Columbia Pictures to insist that the film's narrative be much more linear and less interpretive than director Poenzo's original cut, and Poenzo made the adjustments out of love for his film, which he felt would have been altered anyway by someone else less in love with it had he refused. Then came the negative reception at Cannes, which was followed by a more limited release in the U.S. than originally planned. Old Gringo opened on October 6, 1989, surrounded by a few weeks on either side by a crowded marketplace which included films such as Ridley Scott's Black Rain, Sea of Love, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Shocker, Harlem Nights, Johnny Handsome, Look Who's Talking, Drugstore Cowboy, and the fabulous Baker Boys. It quickly left theaters, turned up on VHS the following year, then all but disappeared from Remembrance until re-emerging in the form of a 2002 DVD release, then another one in 2008 doubled up with Walter Hill's Geronimo, and most recently a pretty darn good looking 2015 Blu-ray from Mill Creek. It's also available to watch free at present on Tubi and with Amazon Prime. Stunningly filmed, socio-politically intelligent, and yeah, genuinely romantic, Old Gringo is one old school but a Class A filmmaking which will forever remain timeless. I'm Craig Jamison of Gull Cottage Online, and thanks for joining me for the Gull Cottage Movie Sneak Buried Treasure of the Week. See you again next time, up in those cheap seats. Reminder that all film, music, and other clips are the rights and property of the copyright holders and are used here for entertainment, educational, and criticism purposes only.